Oh man, sweep how the 80s. Leg, Johnny, sweep the leg. How 80s is that? That oh. is just wow. that is all nineteen eighty four goodness. The karate kid. How did that not end up in a Gillette advert? I do not know. <laughs> I'm sure it, it, you're right. It does sound exactly like it. Actually, it probably was, wasn't it? <laughs> I just feel like I've had to close the shave. Well, it should be now. If they haven't, they should do it. Welcome, listeners, to 1984. You've got the team from Music Movies Madness looking back at the greatest year in the 1980s, and that was 1984. So joining me tonight, we've got David. G'day. And Martin. Hey, hey. Evening. And, and Ian. Hi, Glenn. A time when the when the rain was purple in 1984. Oh, for sure. sure it was. Wow. I mean, I think what? we're just yes, and and thank you to that intro from the late great Prince. That what guy was, the, yeah. I know, and yeah. The more I've listened to his stuff this week, I'm like, holy uh-huh. moly, the man was a talent. Yeah, I I look, you know what? I reckon it was possibly the the greatest year for pop culture and and the eighties. It was up the array. Have we not done this one so far? <laughs> Snuck under the radar. Yeah, there were some. Yeah, there were monster albums that were still lingering from the previous year. Who could, mm. you know, Thriller was there and still lingering hard. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and Girls Only Want to Have Fun by um, Cindy. Cindy was still strong. Um, but yeah, um, 84, man. We'll, we'll rattle off a few names in a moment, listeners. But holy moly, Martin, you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, not just for the music, but the movies as well. I just like blockbuster after blockbuster that year. What a heck of a year. Yeah. Some great stuff going on. They've become classics, haven't they? So yeah, many of those so. so many of those films from that year have gone on to become cult classics. I think it was like the year where it kind of pinnacled out, right? Because, you know, prior to that, you know, we'd had the likes of like E.T. and the Spielberg films and stuff that mm. kind of you had like one big blockbuster a year and then this year came along and they just queued up it was just blockbuster after blockbuster mm. after blockbuster yeah. for most of the year um so I think yeah it kind of reached its zenith if you want <laughs> at that point um yeah but um yeah great year and good and not just big movies but good quality movies as well you know Mm. What what do you think, Ian, and your prep for this week? Yeah. No, I th- I think your intro song sums it up really good. It was just uh, fun, energy, um, just good times, right? Every just and just like what the other guys have said there, everything was epic, everything was massive, everything was 
rocking at its peak, man. I hate to say it, but 84 was just awesome. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, you know, I was only a, quite a young lad when mm. 84 was, like you all. Um, so probably, you know, a lot of these movies I didn't really come to until much later um, because, well, frankly, there's no way that I'd be allowed to watch some of those at that age. Um, and plus going to the movies was and is still quite expensive thing to do for a family. So um, now we didn't really go and do any of that sort of stuff. So it was, I don't know, probably the advent of the video recorder probably coming into play, <laughs> the old VCR, when the VCR hit. A lot of these movies were yep. just the things we all talked about once friends on the street actually got a video recorder. Yeah. I was one of the last ones, so I kind of went over to David's place or someone else's well, place to watch these things. First seen either on VCR or on telly. Um, uh, yeah, true, true. Remember, it was a big thing. And some of these movies I do remember back in the mid to late 80s, first seeing them on television. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about one of these movies? Yeah, let's talk about one of these epics. Uh, so let's start off with you, uh, Martin. What have you got? It's kind of hiding behind me, but I'll give the, uh, the listeners a clue here. Yeah? <laughs> oh, I love that. The Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. What a movie. Yeah. Um, one of the movies that I did actually go and see as a kid. I do remember going to see Ghostbusters. Wow, did you? Yeah. Um, it was a PG in the UK. Um, I don't know what it was rated over here, but um, it was pretty close to the bone for a PG in places, though, i got to admit. Um, it was... Uh, it's a bit uh, touch and go. Um, yeah, it's still one of my favourite comedies of all time. Um, it's just fun with like a capital F and quite a lot of marshmallow. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's just a great, great comedy movie, and it just shows off the talents of the writing, uh, the writing talents of Harold Ramis and uh, Dan Aykroyd, um, who uh, it was originally Dan Aykroyd's idea. And it was going to be a duet between him and John Belushi. Um, and his original plan for it was they were going to travel through time and, and catch ghosts. Um, and he pitched Which it around. probably would have been pretty good anyway. That would have been, it would have would have been really cool, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, every studio kind of took one look and said, no, way too expensive to make that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So they, they hired uh, Harold Ramis, and Harold Ramis came in and did a rewrite and kind of grounded it and turned it into a more kind of filmable version and set it in New York City. Yeah. Um, it was a movie that the studios didn't have a lot of faith in um, when it was released um, and were kind of balking at the idea of coughing up like 30, I think it was 25 or $30 million to make, for which for a comedy was like crazy amount of money at the time. Um, uh, but it came out and, and just went supersonic like straight off the bat um ended up just under 300 million dollars uh at the box office uh and at the time was the most successful comedy of all time wow yeah um, and again look at that cast rattle through who's in this well yeah so dan Aykroyd, harold ramus bill murray 
probably in his best ever performance in my view. Yeah. Um, just perfect Bill Murray. <laughs> just Bateman, yeah. <laughs> um, Andy Hudson, he doesn't probably was like the forgotten Ghostbuster, but, uh, you know, uh, still had some great one-liners in it. Uh, Rick Moranis. Um, I think at one point John Candy was going to be in it, uh, but that didn't it's happen. One, it's, it's one of the ghosts. I don't know, or it's one of the <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah, if All they right. could find a suit big enough, I guess. But um, yeah, it didn't quite come about. Um, but that could have been an interesting one. Um, yeah, and I, I can remember being pretty blown away by the effects back in 84 as well as a kid. Um, you know, there was some scary jumpy moments in it, I have to admit, uh, as a kid, especially like the library ghost at the start and stuff. And, you know, and then we had the, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, probably the, oh, yeah. the greatest villain in a movie ever. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie because it's got like, it's, it starts off really fun, but it yeah. does have some dark bits in it, like mm. quite dark, quite dark bits. Yeah. Right? Even in the yeah. music, I remember. Mm. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's a good movie. You, you missed a couple of the key actors in it. So we also got Sigourney Weaver. Of course. Is she uh, in it? Yeah. Yeah, And she's utter, utterly brilliant in it. Yes. And you've also got Annie Potts as well, who is the, um, the, the, secretary. The, the secretary, which is, she's hilarious as well. We got uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Ghostbusters, yeah, yeah, really. You know, it's hard not to smile about this film. I think over time, the one that I've kind of like really started to appreciate more and more every time I watch it, it makes me laugh more than anybody else. And actually, is Rick Moranis as the as the neighbour from across the hall, who's the the taxi car. He is brilliant. He is brilliant, Rick. Isn't he? He's just stunning and just so funny. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it's one of those films that I can just sit down and watch at any time. Mm. It was funny, on TV last night, they had the the horrible remake, the, the 2016 one with the... Which one? The Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy one. I, look, I actually really enjoyed that. I liked you know, it a lot. I enjoyed it more watching it last night, I've got to say. Chris Hemsworth stole that. I thought Chris mm. Hemsworth was brilliant in that. Hey, well, um, he's, he's, he's a good-looking man, and he plays yeah. comedy well. <laughs> he does, yeah. Okay. He does. He does a good comedy, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a brilliant bit in that where he's talking about he's the rece- he's the receptionist in that one, so it's like a gender swap thing, and um, he's talking on the phone to someone and just hangs up the phone on them, and they're like, "Who is that?" And he goes, "I don't know, someone with a problem with a goat." Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so anyway, that's my film, Ghostbusters, uh, a classic. In my mind, absolute classic. If it was on TV right now, I'd probably end up trying to do this podcast badly and end up well, watching, watching that right yeah. now, but like, like that, looking away. I would be exactly the same. Even if I watched it last night, I would still watch it again tonight. It is yeah. like instantly rewatchable. When, when I was a kid, when I finally got to watch, there was one line that um, um, Ma, uh, Fickman says, you know, talking to the mayor, and the mayor's like, well, "What's going to happen?" Oh, and he goes, this man has no dick. Yeah, it's, it, it's true. This man has no dick. And I just thought that line is so funny. And I don't know why. I still find it hilariously funny now. Every time it comes on, I'm waiting for that. This man has no dick. Yep. Yes. Very good. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. 
<laughs> so fun. Um, yeah. Mr. Wallace, what have you got for us? I have got for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's slimeness. It's slimeness. <laughs> it's slimeness. But you can't run. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. Oh, uh, and uh, I don't think I can really add to what Martin just said there. I think he summed it up real nicely. Uh, we um, could talk about Slimer because, like, <laughs> Slimer ended up having his own show, and God knows why. Yeah. I just, I actually, I've rewatched it. I did rewatch it uh, in the weekend just to recap. And uh, I, I've got to say, I, I forgot how funny it was. So I know I know probably everybody's seen Ghostbusters, but you should really go and rewatch it because it, it is so damn funny. It's you know I just the one liners I've I've written a few of the one liners down here. I just love it like uh, when they're all in the library. I have a plan. I've, I have a plan. Get her! And they just <laughs> run for their ghosts. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, and the, the lady in the in the office asks the guy, "Do you have any hobbies?" And he's like, "Yeah, I collect, I collect spores, mold, and fungus." <laughs> I just, I just love that sort of shit. Very funny. And obviously, we came, we saw, we and we kicked its ass. <laughs> it's just a fantastic movie. It's a supernatural comedy, feel good. You know, it's never really going to age because it's just well, probably well written. They're at the top of the game with their acting. Um, it's just a combination of, of all goodness, right? Mm. So I'm, go I'm, watch. Admit, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it with my daughter when she's a little bit older. I, totally. I think, I, think, I think she might find it quite funny. Um, yeah. David, have you um, watched this with um, your kids? No. Um, we tried to watch it the other day, but the, streams, the two streaming services we have didn't have it on there, unfortunately. So we ended up watching uh, Temple of the Doom. Which probably oh, was even more serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of all the movies you made them watch, you made them watch. The, the, is this their first intro to Indy? No, no, they watched Raiders. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And, and they'll, yeah, <laughs> no, no. they knew what was coming, but it's actually very, very scary. But one thing about Indy, and I don't want to review that one in case someone else is, but it is jam packed, non stop action for the last 45 minutes. It doesn't mm. let doesn't let you get up or take a breather. It is just forty five minutes of action and suspense. So, totally had the kids captivated. Um, that ride through the mines. I remember watching that, and it was just so so good. Yeah, mm. like they, so. There's a whole piece before that, and then there's that mine, the ride on, on those mine trolleys, and then they come out, and then there's the bridge scene. The swing bridge. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it just it just hits you one after another. It's just brilliant storytelling. Mm. Sorry, I shouldn't be reviewing. No, Not that, even that's reviewing okay. Indiana Jones. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like the storyline though. I didn't understand it as a kid, and I watched it a few years ago, and I still didn't it's quite still understand. Still not easy what, to follow with the children. I didn't. I don't know. The, I don't understand the, the much at all on a day. Yep. Yep. yep I and agree. and that lady screaming all the time. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> she Sigour- Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver's got a good scream on her in Ghostbusters. She yeah, but, good... yeah, but it's not yeah. permanent. It's not like a no, line no. in the movie. 
She takes just, a breather. I just remember watching and going, this lady's no Marion. It was like She's Romance no Marion, eh? Romance in the Stone. Yeah, there were a lot of movies like that at the time. Romance right? in yeah. the Stone. Now, what year did that one come out? That was 84. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, and Bron, me and Bron watched that last year, uh-huh. and we were blown away by how freaking good it is. It's mm, awesome. Absolutely. The one that I came have, after. I have the one a that came mule. <laughs> Actually, it is brilliant. You've got Danny DeVito in that one, yeah. eh? Um, yeah. So I totally, I, if I had to pick a nice romance adventure film, I would pick Romancing the Stone. It's so freaking good. The Jewel of the Niles is good as well. The sequel is it? The oh, sequel. Or we the we tried what we we watched that one afterwards. It was yeah. yeah, something. It did feel like it was cashing in on the first one. But oh. first one was... <laughs> it was funny what you were saying about um about catching some of these films for the first time on video. I know for a fact that Romancing the Stone was the first video that we got from the video store. Right. No way. Yeah. Which so it must have been like eighty five, mm. I guess. But, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I got a distinct memory of that. Um, yeah, love that film, great film, love them both. Actually, it, it stacked up so so well. I couldn't believe it. Mm, great. So, man. so now that we've now covered Ghostbusters, romancing the stone, <laughs> and, <laughs> and also Princess Indiana Bride, Indiana Jones. Was was Princess, was was Princess Bride in that year too? No, no, no. Oh my. <laughs> No, that would have just been overload. Oh, dear. My brain, brain exploding. What did we you find, one. David? <laughs> what did Slimy. you find, David? What did I find? And you can have your dream. You're the best around. Nothing's going to ever keep you down. You're the best around. And nothing's going to ever keep you down. You're the best around. Nothing's going to ever keep you down. Oh man, sweep how the 80s. leg, Johnny! Sweep the leg. How eighties is that? That oh. is just wow. that is all nineteen eighty four goodness. The Karate Kid. How did that not end up in a Gillette advert? I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sh- it, it, you're right. It does sound exactly like it. Actually, it probably was, wasn't it? <laughs> I just feel like I've had to close the shave. Well, it should be now. If they haven't, they should do it. With the lady oh, now stroking my cheek, uh, chest and, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Oh, dear. You're the best. You are the best. <laughs> you really are. I'm looking at oh, you. This is a great movie, too. It is. It's a classic. I saw this for the first time at school, at primary school. Because they had uh, fundraisers in um, in the classrooms at, at lunchtime, and yeah, you, you went along and you watched. It was great, and it was. Everyone came out of the classroom wanting to do the crane kick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Martin perfected it. Now, yeah. <laughs> listeners, if you can't see, Martin's gone all crane kick on us. Waxing yeah. on and waxing off. He's waxing on. <laughs> I don't know if you need to know if you've been waxing, mate. We don't need to know that. This is a family show. But... Uh, that aside, uh-huh. it stars, of yeah. course, a 22-year-old looking 12, Ralph Macchio. As God, Danny he was Rilleroso. 22. He was 22. I know. Lordy, lordy, yes. really? I know. Well, said, those Gillette razors do shave close. They are close, man. <laughs> Take 10 know, years off you, just like that. Um, Mr. Miyagi, played by Pat Morita. Incidentally, I met 
a guy that whose father used to drink with Pat Morita back oh, in Hawaii. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Yeah, down at daycare when the kids were little at daycare. And one of the other parents, he was from the American embassy. Um, we got yakking about things and he, he was telling me about his dad used to, you can remember Pat Morita coming around to his dad, to his house after he was famous. And it was actually wow. very sad, sorry to say. Um, oh. the, the fame in that didn't sit well with Pat and uh, he was he was a bit of a drinker. Oh. Did you know this song, the one I just played, was um, was also used in Rocky IV? It doesn't surprise. It sounds like every quintessential. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like um, you know, it's like when Team America World Police had a montage because mm. even Rocky needed a montage. It's a montage <laughs> piece of music. It's a training montage. It's a training montage. Another great movie. Another great movie. Every eighties movie had a montage. Mm. Well, this, oh. this this one obviously no exception and. I mean, it made a packet. It made over ninety million at the box office, um, and has spawned, of course, God knows how many sequels. There's Karate two, three, and then there was the Will Smith one, and then the one with the girl, and now they've got a series called Cobra Kai. Mm. The spinoffs. This thing's made a packet for them. I mean, it's it's certainly my favorite yeah. of the whole franchise. I do like number two mm. as well because they're, they're shot shot um, in Japan. But this this one is just it's that classic story. In fact, there's I say it's that got that classic story of sort of good and bad. But there's there's a whole fandom out there dedicated to, to vilifying Daniel Larusso, saying that he was actually the bad guy and Johnny was the good guy. Yeah. And, and they and they played Johnny did, on that because Daniel did a legal a legal kick to the kick to the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they and they and they played on that on um on Cobra Kai. Did they? Yeah, he was they, asking they, for it. That, that was it. That was part of the storyline that you know Daniel was the baddie and he took me out with an illegal move. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> so true. Oh, it's brilliant! So I picked up on that on that bit of pop culture. I it's love it. so so. Cobra Kai is hilariously funny, especially in that first season, and it all follows Johnny, the story of Johnny, and then you meet Daniel, and Daniel's a prat. Toss around, uh, car salesman. Oh, he's a car salesman, and he's like, oh damn, what happened? But actually, when you rewatch Karate Kid. Daniel is actually um, a mouthy, sort of annoying brat. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. deserve what happens to him, but he is. Kind That's of the best roles that uh, Ralph does, though, you know? He was the same in Crossroads. Oh, that yeah. Mouthy, kind of, you know, cheeky, stuck up, know it all. You know, you wanted to slap him or kick him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sweep the leg. Anyway, that yeah. was sweet. That was, that was, <laughs> look, um, if you have look, viewers, if or listeners, if you haven't seen it, go and go and see it. Get a bit of karate kid in you. Right, I'll be I'll play my one now. Let's find out what I've, what's my choice. Oh yeah. You got Martin's attention straight away. So electronic. It's uh, electronic as it can get, really. This is uh, Harold Faltmeyer. It is indeed. It is. I'll oh, listen to that. Oh, that's gold, isn't it? 
right, let's talk about what movie do you think this is, guys? It starred probably, you know, the biggest star in movies at that time. Well, at the beginning or emerging massive star. Beverly Hills. Was it the sound of music? No, <laughs> no. Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. <laughs> Again. And this is, you know, Eddie Murphy's big, big, massive move mm. to the movies and from, from his stand-up. And uh, if anyone has seen sort of the early, or, you know, the stand-up comedy of Eddie Murphy on stage, I think it was, what was it called? It was Raw. A, um, Raw. Raw. Yes. Raw. It, was, it was forbidden sort of thing. If anyone managed to get a hold of that, that was that was pretty that was pretty risky stuff. But anyway, <laughs> this is Beverly Hills Cop. Um, and it features Eddie Murphy and as the starring role as Axel Foley, tough cop from the wrong side of the tracks in Detroit, chasing down a bad murderer um, and having to go out to Beverly Hills and then have to work with the Beverly Hills Cop Department to save the day. Me and Bron watched it recently. It stacks up still. It's quite, it's hilariously funny. Pacing's good. It's way more violent than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, lot of shooting and a lot of, you know, a lot of killing, but it held our attention. It was in the one-liners, like Ian was saying about Ghostbusters. Eddie Murphy's <laughs> like on fire, and he's well supported by um, a pretty cool hey. cast. Ain't got a fall for no banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> and that was the bit I liked as a kid. I thought that was the funniest thing in the whole movie, that you could, like, destroy a car by putting banana in the <laughs> tailpipe. In the tailpipe. <laughs> and it was still funny now, too. Oh, um, no, the movie made uh, huge, huge money um, and sort of launched uh, launched Eddie Murphy into superstar status. Um, mm-hmm. um and gosh, how many... Did it have the guy from Garfield in it? What? The voice of Garfield? No? It Judge Reinhold as um, the crazy young cop. And, and it was basically good cop, bad cop all the way through. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm not sure. Might have. Um, no, maybe not. But, yeah, it, I mean, it sort of was that whole buddy cop type movies that were sort of popular. When did Lethal Weapon and all that come out? That was, they were a little bit later. They were like a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, without this you wouldn't have had um you wouldn't have had those type of things um but i don't you know looking back on it i think this is way funnier than lethal weapon um i don't know what it is there's something special about one that score um because it's quite noticeable although it has been ruined forever by that awful bloody crazy frog crazy frog (laughs) um yeah it's it's one of those like absolutely brilliant iconic synth pieces of music and as a soundtrack you know it was it was just synth scores at that time were, were kind of in vogue you know orchestral scores had kind of got off the only one that was using them was spielberg really with john williams and mm. um, and like the likes of this and Giorgio Moroder was doing stuff at the time you know never ending story was this year as well mm. and it had a Giorgio Moroder electronic score to it and Terminator was an electronic score you know also mm. this year um so yeah there was a lot of that going on at the time yeah um but Harold Fortemeyer man mm. that guy's a legend in, as, as a synth player uh, and a synth composer um yeah brilliant stuff and he- 
he also then did um, oh the the Top Gun movie. He did, yeah. He did Tango and Cash. Did the Running mm. Man. Um, mm. Yeah, and then he kind of disappeared. Yeah, I mean, there was a few other careers that were sort of launched on their films in in eighty four. Um, there was a little movie called Footloose, um, mm. and Kevin yes. Kevin Bacon was you know Kevin his Bacon launched. Yeah, there you go. I mean, how epic is Footloose? I mean, I haven't seen that in years, but I remember that was quite a good film. I never watched uh, it. it haven't huge. you watched that? Great soundtrack. Nah. Oh, no. Like shit. It's a good one. Nah. Is it? Oh. Oh. That's fun. <laughs> it's just a bit of fun. I'm the fun. Oh, really? Hush, eh? <laughs> um, I mean... <laughs> Oh, probably, more, probably more of a Terminator, probably more of a Terminator sort of a guy, really. Yeah. Um, we yeah. also had some yeah. horrendous films. That, well, I suppose it might be bad. I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. The Woman in Red, oh, which unfortunately oh, had that most horrendous um, crime against Stevie music, Wonder. which is poor old Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, dear. It was a terrible I just song. to say. Oh, yeah. is that where that, that came from? Yeah, that's uh, right. Which is kind of against a crime against music, really. Totally. Uh, and yeah, but uh, and then there was also Amadeus, Amadeus, yes. Amadeus, mm. and then Tarzan of Greystoke, whatever that was all about. But that was uh, yeah. Some yeah. Some of the other big ones as well. Don't and forget, don't forget Gremlins. Yep. 16 mm, candles, 16 candles. Oh, long dong dong. Yeah, with their uh, terribly named character names. Um, and remember, this this started off, in, unfortunately, in 84 as well. Police Academy. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen back, any of those. Oh, yeah. Back when, the, back when they were actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the father, yeah. father and son beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, <laughs> Tackleberry. <laughs> so funny. In a movie that I never got to see until much, much later, Nightmare on Elm Street. That would be too scary for me to go and sort of see. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, probably still wouldn't want to watch that. A eh? and Breakfast um, Club came out. In that year. Yeah, it's so another one yeah. of those ones similar to the Sixteen Candles, same actors and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and pretty much. Was- I was going to say under the radar at the time, but went on to get cult status as well. Spinal Tap was eighty four. It was, yes. and 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 Revenge of the Nerds. Oh yeah, huge year, man. it just it just keeps on going. They even did a nineteen eighty four movie. Um, yeah. yeah, just yep, absolutely. Um, and Conan the Destroyer. God, these are oh dear. <laughs> Oh, oh dear, exactly. Repo Man. Repo Man was pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty fun. I remember watching that and liking it. Uh, and then... Dune. Yeah. Dune. Yes. Did you like the that one? one. Oh, it was nuts. It didn't make any bloody sense. Like, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that version of it. Well, I remember a sting in a pair of metal wife rumps and, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, we also had um, Search for Spock, oh, and that was a oh, fairly tedious film, if I remember right. Um, and, and and unfortunately, we wish it was, but Friday the 13th, the final chapter. 
you kind of you hoped that it would be the final, but no, it just kept going and going, going and going. going. That's exactly. It. So what a what a hell of a year um eighty four mm-hmm. was at the movies. Would have been just obviously just peak um time to go on a date and get the popcorn and off you go if you're a teenager. It must have been just epic if you had think, some money. I think the fact that we we've talked for a whole forty minutes just on movies. <laughs> tells you how good this year was. That was going to be a record for us. <laughs> I, I think yeah. so. I think so. And I think, you know, the year that advent of the video recorder and then coming through was was pretty huge because um, mm. we got to watch all these things. And in New Zealand, we probably got to see these things about in 86, 87. Yeah. 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 Much, much later. Yeah. So not to be outdone, 84 also had some pretty stellar albums as well. Um, so David, would you like to lead us off with what if what you managed oh, to find in 84? Okay, all right. Yeah, I I spent ages deliberating on what to choose here because <laughs> just like the movies, there were so many good albums, and a number of them I have. Um and I thought I'd go something for something that I didn't really know too well, but really appealed um when I did listen to it. So See if you guys can pick this band. No, I don't. Really? I'm stumped. This is an no. absolute... Okay, so this um, this album is... Okay, so lots of jangly guitar. At the same time, this is an American band. At the same time, a lot of jangly guitar was going on the other side of the Atlantic through the Smiths. These guys really um, summarize the American jangle underground that was sort of between around 1983 and 1987 this is rem no way really totally and this is this is a really good example of what was was happening then um they became a lot their sound um, mellowed out and became this is more garagey more sort of yeah um, i could probably enjoy that this was done um in two weeks (laughs) This was this was recorded in two weeks. This whole whole album. You're not, not a fan of REM, Ian. Not so much the latest stuff, no. But yeah. I like the sound of that. That sounds like a cross between Bad Manners and The Smiths and yeah, everything. It's all sorts yeah. of stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, well, they they started out as a jangle guitar band. This is so they started in 1980, and jangle guitar is REM. If you their first. Well, three or four albums there's lots of this sort of stuff on there and um yeah i mean any one of a number of bands and and there were dozens of them floating around this time over there um could have made it big and these guys obviously had they got they got the the vocals is probably the difference i mean um the lineup so this is the original lineup obviously 
Um, where you've got Michael Stipe on vocals, Peter Back on guitar, Mike Mills on bass, and Bill Perry on drums. Um, this album is called Reckoning, released in '84. Obviously, um, that track you just listened to there was called Harbour Coat. It's one of the more sort of um, highly rated tracks on the album, but um, the whole album is sort of chock a block with um, with jangly goodness, if you like. Um, mm. And it's not one that I'd heard before, but you know, um, I got to pick Smith, the Smiths, the Smiths, mm-hmm. I think it was self-titled from that year, um, with a similar sort of sound, but with Morrissey's sort of. <laughs> there's only so much Morrissey you can do in a podcast, and I've done a few, <laughs> a few <laughs> albums already, so I'd like switch it up. I, I don't know much about REM to be honest. Um, obviously, I know all the big hits that came later, but this stuff. Yeah, it was so cool to listen to. And it's got me bopping around. There's another track I'll just put a little bit on now called Pretty Persuasion, which was, um, if you like, it was the hit. Casters and oh, chorus single, pedals, <laughs> chorus pedals, and single coil pickups and Rickenbackers. Oh, everything oh. that you love, buddy. Oh, good. They sound, stuff. they sound so fresh. They sound so mm. fresh, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Fresh sound. Yep, yep. Even and, now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I probably would have picked that as REM that time because it's got the some vocals, of those eh? the harmonies yeah, yeah the harm the vocals but also some of these some little traits of the guitar stuff that gets carried over and over yeah, yeah. from then on yeah cool yeah well that was my pick fellas rem um well, that was his yeah. second album second album reckoning oh man my uh 1984 choice i actually uh i decided to it's a little bit cliche but uh, I went for um, the same as my movie. It's just the the album that I just really love. What, did, so you just, did you choose the Ghostbusters soundtrack? Well, I've got a really horrible feeling that Martin and I have got a double banger <laughs> on this. <laughs> no. No. I, I, I do have a copy of it on vinyl, <laughs> the original from 84. I love you, man. I, I love it. <laughs> you know what? We listeners yeah. before the before the show a couple of days ago, we said, should we, you know, spot what we're listening to and what we were in preparation for the show? But nobody really came up with it, so it's kind of fun to find out what we might end up with. Double ups. <laughs> All right, Ian. What Absolutely. is it? Absolutely. What well, have you got? Oh, please tell me that you chose the 
I believe in magic, magic one. That's just amazing. It's like so uh, 1984. That's like bang on 1984 in production and sound. Yeah. Put that one on. I, I don't know what that is. Scrap anyway. everything else you were going to say and just put that yeah, on. Put that on. I, I chose this. All, all I can say is bugger. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we should have checked what albums no, we were doing. No, no, no. <laughs> no, this is way more fun. Let it go. Uh, what, what, are we, what are we trying to listen to you? What is we this are, intro? We are listening to... Yeah, uh, Van Halen, nineteen eighty four, and yeah, the album and ah, oh, the the album with Jump, the it's album the... with Jump, yeah, and it's it's just epic. And Martin can jump in here as well. What's on the cover? Describe the cover. Uh, the cover is um, it's like an airbrush painting of a baby, uh, like a, a cherub, um, sneakily stealing cigarettes or a packet of cigarettes on the table. Nice. Um, and it's so much better than the album cover they nearly went for. Yes. It's going to be four grown women dancing, apparently, which I'm pretty sure Rolling Stones did anyway. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a brilliant piece of artwork. Yeah, love it. It's iconic. It's a great album. It's a great album. I'll, I'll give my review, which should be different to Martin's review. But, um, yeah, song one, fantastic intro. I think it just puts you straight into 1984. Big synth sounds, uh, a little bit of extraterrestrial sort of stuff going on there. I, I really enjoy that sort of full sound. Um, yeah, I think it was the, what have I written here? It's a sixth studio album. Um, I'm a Van Halen fan, so some of the early stuff's a little bit dodgy. They had some good stuff, but... Um, I think this album, the sixth album, I think they're, they're getting, they're really, they're coming together. This, they've got it. They've hit that point as a band. They're there. It gels. It's solid. You know, um, it's sold over 10 million copies. Uh, that's pretty good proof of the pudding, right? Uh, it was number two behind Thriller on the billboard. So she was up there. Um, yep. Just... I think it's just a great album from start to finish. Um, let me give you another track. Who, just who was in the band at that point? Who was? It um, was Dave, David Lee Roth. Yeah. yeah, David Lee Roth. So this was the last album they did with Dave before yeah. they went their separate ways. Yeah, this is, that's right. And this, this is the second song I've sort of chosen here. You'll all know it, man. Jump, 1984, Van Halen. Yeah, and I think that track for me, 
is is a really good example. So that that I think there, what I was explaining before is, is what you're hearing is a band in their prime. They got the, they got it together, the top of the game, top of the charts. They've got some sort of direction, and then they blow it because David Lee Roth leaves after that album, <laughs> <laughs> as you do. But um, you know, it's uh, that song was actually I think it was written a few years before, wasn't it, Martin? Is that right? It was, yeah, yeah. And and Roth didn't like it. He said, "No, it's got Simpson in it. We can't possibly have a single yeah. with Simpson in it." Yeah. Um, so like Eddie kept pushing it to him, saying, "Hey, look, what about this one? What about this one?" And it's just like, "No, man, it's not for me." Yeah. Uh, and it took it. Yeah, it was like I think it had been around for like three or four years or something. Um, and it was only sort of like six months prior that Roth finally said, "Okay, I'll write some lyrics for it." Mm. Uh, yeah. Mad, eh? Just Nuts. mad. Um, and then uh, what have I also written here? I just, I mean, for me, it's, I think Van Halen's such a, an awesome guitarist and I'm obviously a guitarist. So, and I just think he's a, just a bit of a God, you know, he's just, man, he was groundbreaking. He was different. He was boundary pushing. Everyone looks at Van, everyone that plays the guitar looks at Van Halen and listens to his stuff and goes, wow, because he was, wow, he was that man. And especially in 1984. Oh, dude was had fucking lightning coming out of his fingers at the time. Like he couldn't put a finger he, wrong. Because he'd been yeah. on beat it. He was on beat it, eh? Yeah, yeah. He played the solo on beat it. So he had yeah. number one with that and he was number two with Van Halen at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that, he does a song in there called Top Jimmy. Mm. And uh, that just, you know, is harmonics on the guitar. It's just, it's a showcase of, it's the whole album's a showcase of how amazing the musicianship is. It's corny, it's cheesy, it's feel good, but you can actually delve into it and listen to some of the, what they're doing is, uh, especially from a musician's point of view. And this next one, very quickly, best drum intro ever. Motorbike. That's something like Harley. Well, I think it's supposed to sound like a plane, isn't it? Yeah, true, true. Trying to start up. Firing up. Eddie Van Halen. There you go. Go and fucking learn that. <laughs> well, you know what? There's like, there's three drum riffs, right? That test like any drummer. And that's the guy that you want in your band. If he can play rock and roll by Led Zeppelin, if he can play hot, the intro for, for, for teacher, and he can play the, the, the Picaro shuffle for Rosanna, he's in. <laughs> he's, an, he's a man. That's pretty hard work. But oh, that's man. my, that's my, Little review. I'd, I'd love to hear Martin's also, but yeah, just let's... for me, cracking album. I love Van Halen. I love 1984 as an album. Just every song, even the ones that are not well known, they're really good songs. Great album. Right. 
as let's move into um, Martin's review of the love fest that is Van Halen by <laughs> 1984. Yeah. All right, Martin. Well. Oh, what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I know, really annoyingly, Ian's chosen both the tracks that I chose from Brighton <laughs> as well. Oh, this is just pure gold. Yeah, bastard. Um, but, um, yeah, look, it, it is a great, great album. It's a really short album. It's probably, I think it barely touches half an hour, actually, from start to finish, or ten tracks, or, or nine tracks, or whatever I was on mm. it. Um, it was a, a bit controversial at the time because all the diehard Van Halen fans were going, well, what's this? It's got like an Oberhome synthesizer in it and like Eddie's playing synths now. Like, they've gone pop. Um, and it got a lot of flack for that at the time. Um, but yeah, actually, you know, it, it went it went stratospheric for them. And uh, I think Ian said like sold 10 million copies. Um, mm. Insane amount of, for a rock album at that time. Um, yeah. Um, really cool videos for this album as well. I'll talk a little bit about the videos. There we go. Um, so the promo videos, Van Halen always do really good promo videos. They're always fun, very tongue in cheek. Um, and the video for Jump, if you ever watch it, um, it's like the brightest video that you'll ever, ever see. Um, and I, I remember reading somewhere that the story behind it was, was that David Lee Roth at the time kind of really fancied himself as a bit of a film director and started doing some of the band's videos, went into the editing booth with, with the editor. And as they were editing the video, he was like, man, it's too dark, like brighten up, brighten up, brighten up. Um, you know, not realizing the fact that because he was a rock star, he's, he was wearing a pair of Ray-Bans all the way through the editing process. So if you watch it, it's like technical. <laughs> it like sears through your eyeballs, like everything, contrast, you know, brightness is just up full. Um, you need to watch it with your Ravens. <laughs> yeah. It's really a whole lot more, more mature than that thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were pretty much on fire as a live band at the time. Their last couple of albums prior to that hadn't done that well. Um, and that's because the record company was really pressuring them to rush to get these albums out. Um, so like the one before it, um, I didn't even have a, well, it had one, one singer on it, which was a cover. <laughs> oh, Tom Cruise has joined us. <laughs> got my Ray, got my Ray-Bans on for this. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So they kind of been off the boil for a couple of years in terms of the albums that were coming out, but this one's totally revived them and brought them back. And the irony yeah, is that Dave quit after this one or was, depending on who you talk to in the band um yeah um you know there were four singles from the album jump panama old white and hot for teacher which we just heard a bit of uh the hot for teacher video was also uh, a little controversial at the time it basically featured four kids um who were (laughs) dressed up as the band uh in school and uh all the teachers in the video were strippers who they hired <laughs> to basically come in and do a table dance. Oh my God. How rock, and uh, how rock and roll is that? There's a Pushing boundaries. Pushing yeah, boundaries. There's a brilliant story <laughs> that the 10 year old kid who was playing Alex Van Halen actually ended up in the trailer with the Van Halen brothers and like had his first beer. And <laughs> that totally got, at the age of 10, that like totally corrupted everything. It's like soul was sold to rock and roll at that point. Poor kid didn't um, stand a chance. Um, yeah, it, it's got some, you know, the, 
the playing on it is is just astounding. Not only the, the guitar playing, but the drumming is amazing on it. Um, Alex is just on fire. Um, Ross' vocals were, were pretty good for a change. Um, it's, you know, it's not the, the strongest of singers. He's a great front man, but it wasn't the best of singers. Um, but yeah, he really kind of pushed himself, I think, with this one as well. Um, and um, yeah, it, it's just uh, it's just become a complete classic. Um, I did want to play a track. Let me see if I can cue one up for you while we're, we're here. Yeah, this is yeah one of the other singles from the album. This is called Panama. Uh, so let's see if we can play a bit of this. Yeah, this would be my favorite on the album. What you guys can see is that the video for that starts off with Roth in, in a late spandex <laughs> all in one on a, oh. on a bungee thingy, basically like flying across the front of the stage <laughs> with a boombox and Ray Bans, of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, a pretty, pretty classy. Um, but yeah, um, it, it is a great, great rock album, uh, very much of its time. Um, and um, yeah, just a lot of fun. Van Halen were always a fun band, you know. They're always a party band, a bit like Kiss, but without the makeup. Yes, yeah, so it's yeah. like a lesson, and it's like a lesson in 1984. Yeah. If you want a lesson in music in 1984, go there. It's it's one of the choices that you can yeah. do. Yes, yes, there are other options for people out there too. <laughs> no, there aren't. No. All <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, I'm not sure how I'm going to follow up this sort of party stuff, so I'm probably not actually. I'm I'm going to actually take us to Dunedin in New Zealand, oh. which is one of the what last cities before you get to the South Pole. So um, let's let's queue up a song that um, sort of started a started a well, it might have been on the way, but it started a bit of a scene that will gave more prominence to the Dunedin sound as mm. it was known. Let's go with a bit of this. Van Halen. Into <laughs> <laughs> a real dark groove. Does he sing? Yeah, but amazing how long it is.
you guys heard this before? Yeah. This is Pink Frost by the Chills. We've got Martin Phillips from the band called The Chills down in Dunedin. Yep. And this was their, oh, well, they had, I think, sort of new single from 1984. I think they'd had only just a little wee band from Dunedin on the Flying Nun label. And boom, they became 1984's top best band in New Zealand. You know, The Chills. That, wow. The Chills. Cool sound. It's got a. Yeah, it's got the jangly thing going on, but it's also got it's also a little bit like the shadows to me. Yeah, like a bit of Hank Marvin yeah. from that. Sounds yeah. familiar, doesn't it? Sounds yeah. familiar. It is, and it's a, a really cool how it shifts from that really poppy sort of intro, and then into this dark sort of grindy sort of groovy sound in there. Um, talk of a guy just talking about what's going to happen. You know, she's lying there; it's not looking good. All I can think of is Pink Frost, and then it obviously goes into a bit more of that whole murder ballad thing in there as well. But I think it's an amazing single. Um, I definitely, if you haven't heard it before, Ian and Martin. Martin, is that the first time you've heard Pink Frost? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely go check out the song. It's an absolute beauty, and they're a cool, cool band. Um, have had many, many different um, lineups. I think they've mm. had about 33 or 44. 33 they're still or- going too, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they've had a bit of a renaissance in the last yeah. few years. Um, but wow. I think it was something like 33, 33 band members over the time um, yes. and in various incarnations. <laughs> and the only the only thing that's there that's the same is um, Martin Phillips. Um, <laughs> there is one original. Yeah, oh, there's one. Yes, there's something. And, right? and, and he's the um, singer or the, then the songwriter there as well. Um, yeah, so Pink Frost was... Um, I, I remember hearing it. Um, I think it, it wasn't sort of what you would call mainstream by any any means, but it's certainly a New Zealand classic. Um, and yeah, it did launch that sort of New Zealand sound to the world, um, and it became very you know popular everywhere in the sort of the indie indie scene, really, which is it's, pretty um, cool. It's hard to believe that that's the same band, maybe not the same lineup, same band that did Heavenly Puppet. Yeah, agreed. Isn't it? Yep. You guys know that song? Nope. You heard that one? No. no? It was actually no. a big hit of theirs. Yeah, it was a big yeah. hit. They were yeah, obviously again. cheered up by that point. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Go the to thing the that, fun fair by the sounds of it. Yeah, the, thing, the thing about Pink Frost that I love is that that whole, um, I love a good melancholic sort of a tune and that one just, but it's also they've got that really sort of tight groove all the way through it. Um, I thought you were going to say, I, I love a good murder ballad. Ballad. I do love a good murder ballad. I think, you know, that's it's a very good album um, too. But um, yeah, we'll do that for another time. Yeah, um, I suppose the only uh, the other thing that I've been listening to this week, um, and um, for me, eighty four. When looking at it and listening to the albums from that time, there can only be one 
one album that sort of ruled the roost for me, and that's got to be Purple Rain by Prince. Um, we Yeah. introed it, introed it a little bit earlier, but and I think maybe we'll go out with a bit of Purple Rain. But every track on Mm. that album is just bursting with creativity. It's just, I think it's about a seventh album by that point. And as as you were saying, Ian, of Van Halen at a peak, Prince was probably at that point where he's Thank pulling you, Prince. everything together. I had four Um, albums. I had Diamond Life, Purple Yeah, Rain, yeah, Diamond Life's Power great. Slave, and Pleasure Dome. Just, just so many good albums, man, in 84. Agreed. Damn. Frankie goes to Yeah. Hollywood, eh? Oh, what an album. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. I almost Damn. chose that Diamond Life by Sade. Great Mm -hmm. She's album. got some voice. I didn't realize she was way too mature for me at the time. I wouldn't Oh, have been yeah, listening yeah. to that. But now, and the, I mean, it's just it's so jazzy and so so much soul going on. It's just great. Mm. Even Ride the Lightning Metallica, what an album. I mean, it was a massive year, man. It was so big. Yeah, it really was. So that's why I'm, partly was like, yeah, I'll do Prince Purple Rain because I've just listened to it really loud yesterday and I was absolutely floored again by just the amount of stuff coming out. And his guitar playing is extraordinary to listen to if you ever get a chance to listen Mm, yeah. to some of his live stuff. Oh, he's he's crazy good. Prince is probably, I would say, you know, that would have been a guitar showdown to watch. Eddie Van Halen versus Prince, man. That would have been. And, and that's what it was. Guitar Heroes was still all the rage back in the Oh, this is 80s peak. as Yeah, well. totally. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that Van Halen is a an extremely mean synth pill piano player. Well, So he's not just an incredible guitarist. He was just an amazing musician. Also, not too shabby on the drums, apparently. He started off as the drummer. Did he? And, Oh, and I'd Alex, say. and they swapped Oh, with, with like you Alex. do, eh? Yeah. Because it's like, Alex is like, <laughs> can't get yeah. this at all. It's not happening. So, So it's... so he's probably just one of those guys that can probably pick up any instrument and be awesome Yeah. at it. One of Like those, Prince, right? yeah, like Prince. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Makes you sick, Um, really. <laughs> <laughs> just a daddy. I'll just pick up this. I'll be right Yeah. there. Yeah. So I think for me. Purple Rain was was recorded live, wasn't it, for the album? The last three tracks were live, and then it had some, obviously, some overdubs a little bit later. But yeah, just the Yeah. com the confidence to just I remember go reading out there it with somewhere. it. I think it was pretty much the, the Revolution, which was, I think, all pretty much an all woman band, and they all collaborated on the record. Um, and boom, that's what you get. Eh? And it won an Academy Award for best soundtrack. But then again, to be fair, what what soundtrack could compete with bloody Purple Rain? I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah, we like the those Have you seen those have you seen the movie? flawed No. movie. Must admit, quite a flawed <laughs> movie. it's Not pretty not pretty hard watching. Yeah. yeah, it's it, it is. It's um it's yeah. Rock star kid coming up through the um through the grades and then makes it pisses off his band and then it's all, you know, all hunky dory at the end. Yeah. It's not a particularly great film, I don't think, eh? But um yeah.
been fun. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank Play you. us out with a bit of purple magic. Let's go. I never meant to call you when you saw I never meant to call you when you I don't want to